This is Learning to Live Again with me, Brooke Noel. Let's talk about all things healthy living. I'm excited to introduce you to one of my favorite people. She's one of my good friends, a great mentor, and just so happens to be my cousin, Kristen Fearbaugh. I'm so thankful she sat down with me to discuss one of my most recent blog posts titled, In My Skin, I Am Valuable. She's been with me on this journey of better understanding my value and my worth for a really long time, basically all of my life. (laughs) So join us as we sit down to talk about our image, our body image, our value, our worth, sex, dating, all the things. So I just read In My Skin, uh-huh. and you were very candid and honest in what you wrote. And right off the bat, you talk about dressing up for this photo shoot. And mm-hmm. it was literally in your second sentence, I saw something that just caught my eye. And basically, it was this phrase, somehow it feels conflicting, but rewarding to see the flaws silhouetted in this dress. And I am just wondering, like, if you could describe the conflict, and then maybe describe what reward of seeing flaws may be. It's a foreign thought Mm -hmm. to me. It's a dress I would normally have left on the rack and said, that's Mm -hmm. not for me. Um, Because it does you and I have talked about this. I carry my weight in my mm-hmm. stomach. Yes. <laughs> so if I'm going <laughs> to, if I'm going to gain weight anywhere, it is in my stomach. And when I put that dress on, I remember looking in the mirror and thinking, "Ugh, my pooch, that pooch. I just kept focusing on it. And so it was this conflict of like, do I just change everything? Do I pick out a whole new outfit? I don't really have time for that. Um, And I didn't, I wanted perfection. I wanted to look perfect. I didn't want to feel like I had to suck my stomach in and these, you know, photos my friend was taking of me or worry about that. But then at some, some level, I also looked at myself in the mirror and it was just really rewarding to be brave enough to put the dress on And choose that as this is what I'm, this is what I'm celebrating in and to feel confident enough to make that my choice. So I I think in some level, the reward was like, no, you chose this for a reason. You like it. You feel, you feel Mm -hmm. good in this. Um, It's not about what other people think. And it's okay that you have these rolls and this pooch and this if you're not like a stick figure (laughs) kind of person like this is real and this is what you're going with that's a great reward I get it yeah just feeling brave enough to put it on I love that I love it that's um gonna lead me into my next question so further down in the blog post when you were writing just about what you wanted in life and just how I was wondering when you come to that realization 
when you say at this point, I know what I want in life. When did that shift happen? I've known you your whole life and Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that until now I've heard you say that, but I know you've Mm. wanted other things. I'm sure you have every, Mm -hmm. every woman, you know, goes through different wants and different needs and, and recognizing them or not, but I know you've probably recognized them in the past and I wondered what it was you wanted before that. Yeah. It's funny when I was writing this and, and this has been a thing that I've been just processing for a long time. So I think I've, it's been just small shifts for me over the last few years. But like when I say at this point, I want commitment. I want relationship. I want intimacy within boundaries. I want the safety and security. I think when I say that out loud, there's something inside of my gut that says, Brooke, you always wanted this. Wow. But you like, I didn't know how to verbalize it. And I think all the way back to high school. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And like, I never dated in high school. I, I did not have the time of day to put up with any guy. (laughs) And I have always asked myself why, like, why did I not date anybody? Why did I not like have the care to do that or the patience? I didn't, I didn't care. Um, And I think looking back on it, something inside of me, the way I'm wired, I always knew I wanted commitment, relationship, intimacy within the boundaries, safety and security, but I didn't know how to tell people that's what I wanted. And so then I just would shut it down. Um, So I think in the last, really the last year of going on dates with a lot of different guys, having a lot of conversations with different guys who don't want those things at least right right now, um, that helped me realize this is what I want. They don't want that. I don't, I'm not on the same page as them. And so the more I kind of exposed myself to what I didn't want, the more it helped me verbalize what I did Mm -hmm. want. And that just comes with maturity. I mean, those aren't Mm -hmm. the kinds of conversations high schoolers have. Right. It's yeah. None of my high school friends were talking about that. Well, and (laughs) you know, I would say too, likewise, they probably wanted the same things, but much like yourself, how do you have this conversation? So Mm -hmm. one thing too, that you just touched upon, and I'll, I'll ask again, when you say that you want intimacy within boundaries, um, I, Mm -hmm. I've heard your explanation, but I want you to explain that because I feel like people could benefit from this conversation being had. And Mm. I I wish younger women could hear this Mm -hmm. and, and know that this is possible. So just, if you could expound on that, just intimacy within boundaries, what does that look like, feel like, and how do you communicate that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's, it's something that I'm still trying to figure out to this day at the age uh-huh. of 34. <laughs> like I, 
again, I think growing up, especially in the church and in my family, I always knew I wanted to save sex for marriage. Um, Like that was just the thing that I had declared (laughs) at my very stubborn Mm -hmm. young age. And I wasn't about to move on that. And so, you know, now that I'm older and I've been seeking relationships more um, or just opening myself up to relationships more, I think that's um, become a much more layered process for me of figuring out intimacy within boundaries because you have, you know, emotional intimacy and you have physical intimacy and spiritual intimacy. Um, and in the past, I would always just shut myself off completely. I would hold people away at an arm's length. Like you, you are not even allowed into my space in any way. And so now that I'm more open to relationships and knowing what I want, I think it becomes a lot about having conversations with people that just, I think I'm learning. I have to find the conversations with people that I, I feel safe with and that I trust them. Like those are the two words that I keep coming back to when I think about boundaries, like who allows me to feel safe and protected Um, Who can I trust their words and their actions? Um, Because there's a lot of people that will say one thing, but do the opposite. Um, And, or they do one thing, but they don't, they, they don't have the ability to talk about it or to open up about things. Um, So I think once I'm starting to find these people in my life that I feel safe with and I trust, that gives me so much more freedom to have the, the honest conversations. Like if, if you do something that makes me feel uncomfortable, I feel okay telling you no, because I'm not afraid that you're going to abuse that power. I'm not afraid that you're just going to run for the hills and leave me high and dry. Uh, like I trust that if I say no, or if you say no to something that we have a, a strong enough foundation where we can talk through it, we can work through that and still show this kind of love towards Mm -hmm. each other. I don't know. Is there something else that I, that we've talked about before that you think would be beneficial? I think I just wanted, I just wanted you to reiterate again, what that conversation looked like. Maybe the first time you like, tell me about the first time you attempted to have that conversation. When, what did that look like? Yeah. Um, so I think for me, I'm all, I'm very direct. <laughs> really? <Brooke? laughs> and so, yeah, I, I don't know. I can be pretty direct. And so I just jump the gun with any guy and I will just tell you, like, I'll just, uh, you know, maybe not the first date, but like pretty early on the second date, the third date, I'm like laying down ground rules of like, look, I'm not having sex with you. <laughs> and uh, I've had to learn to be really direct mm-hmm. with guys 
because I don't want to play the game. I've never been a game player. Uh, like I'll flirt with you. I will have that, that fun flirtation, but I am not here to waste my time because I know what I want. I want commitment. And that has made it so much easier for me to be direct with a guy that just, when they start making the moves, when they start turning the conversation towards um, physical affection and physical, um, you know, desires and sex, I am much quicker to stop them and say, FYI, I'm not sleeping with you. You're not coming over to my house um, because I don't like at that level, I don't trust you. (laughs) So you can meet me in a public place. You are more than welcome to take me to dinner. Uh, You are more than welcome to meet me at a park in daylight hours. (laughs) Like you, the, the, the world is yours during the daytime, (laughs) but you're not coming over to my house at night. And Mm-hmm. This is why. And it, it's hard. It is really hard to do that because you don't know how they're going to, these guys are going to respond. Um, and, you know, so many times they would respond in a way that just makes you mm-hmm. feel like a freak. <laughs> that makes you feel like you are this crazy person with two heads and, you know, who, who, who lives like this? You're crazy. Nobody, nobody lives with these kind of boundaries. Um, or they will say one thing they'll say, Oh no, I, I totally respect you. I, I agree. Um, but then in the next breath, they are pushing those boundaries again. Um, so it's really just, taken a Mm -hmm. lot of practice of saying no it's taken a lot of practice and being Mm -hmm. direct with them and not I think also just working through that struggle of like feeling embarrassed about it and recognizing that that embarrassment is not about me that embarrassment is about their reaction to me um so when I say no I wholeheartedly mean that. And that is a a life choice that I'm crazy enough to think (laughs) is worth it. Um, But their reaction is the thing that makes me feel ashamed or embarrassed. It's not my decision that makes me feel ashamed or embarrassed. Like that was a huge huge. breakthrough. That's incredible, Brooke. I love that. Yeah. The fun part of this article for me was reading about your actual photo shoot. Because how fun is that? Uh I want to be on a photo shoot too. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. No, I think when I first started and I told my friend when we were driving downtown, I said, look, here's what's going through my head right now. And I listed out all the lies for her. And I said, just so you know, this is what I'm thinking. So I need you to help me work through that. And she was like, okay. (laughs) And when we got out there, you know, she, she, we'd pick a place and she'd start giving me direction. And I was like, I I wasn't, I was kind of hesitant because I was just unsure. I'm not a model. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, but she would make me laugh. Like, this is what I love about this friend. Like Kelsey would make me laugh so hard about something. And Mm -hmm. then she would just start clicking. (laughs) She'd just start taking pictures. And I remember thinking in my head, ah, 
I just get to be me. Like she's, I'm literally walking around and I'm just being me and I love to laugh. So I'm just going to do that with her. And she's Uh just going to keep taking pictures. Uh, Like she just had this way of, again, making me feel safe and I could trust her. Um, So I like, yeah, as the photo shoot went on, I think I legitimately felt so free to just be silly and goofy and do whatever. And, you know, people are watching and I don't care. Like it was just so freeing and fun to feel that yeah, safe, I love but also that. That, that just makes my heart happy for you, Brooke. You let somebody walk with mm-hmm. you through that. And that's how you get mm-hmm. to the other side of your fears and your lack of confidence and your you just, just, um, yeah. our inability to see our, our beauty and celebrate that. So yay. <laughs> there was one part that just, I thought, wait a minute, the brookie, the little wide eyed, curly headed, <laughs> precious baby girl brookie would have never in a uh-huh. million billion years wanted anybody to clap and laugh and rejoice in her photo shoot moment in the middle of town with strangers looking on. So we say, I, um, every time my friend directs me to toss my hair, stand like this, I laugh a little louder. I laugh at the lies I once believed. And my question was just like, was this really, I just, not that I don't believe you, but I have just uh-huh. known you for so long. Were you really mm-hmm. that joyful the whole time? Or was there moments where your spirit was reminding you of the lies and you were, were laughing in spite of them or yeah. almost fighting against them? After that, after the photo shoot, so you mm-hmm. are talking about your confidence and just, you know, what Mm -hmm. we were talking about, that inner confidence, you say confidence keeps me open. And I just had to stop right there. And so Mm -hmm. two parts to this question, you've got to credit something for this confidence. I want to know what that, what, what that is or who that is. If you can put your thumb on it, if you can, Mm -hmm. that's okay. (laughs) If confidence yeah. keeps you open, then who and where do you get that? How do you get it? How do you keep it? And then when you're feeling closed mm-hmm. off, is it a lack of confidence or are you just really tired? Is it a routine thing? Like what would that mm-hmm. be? Yeah, I think closed. I'm going to start with the closed off part. I think for me, it, a lot of it is exhaustion. Like when I, spin my wheels too fast when I'm trying to take care of everybody besides myself, that causes me to isolate a lot more uh, just out of self-preservation. I think also closed off again, it goes back to safety and security. Like if I, if I don't feel safe, if I don't feel like I can trust somebody, then I will close myself off to an unhealthy place I will start Mm -hmm. relying solely on myself, which again, just depletes all of my energy 
all of my joy. Um, so I think that's where my closed off mm-hmm. side can come in. Um, my confidence, I mean, I wish I could credit my counselor. <laughs> like, I just think I, you know, taking time out of my schedule to sit down with somebody who's neutral, who's going to ask me hard questions, um, who gives me space, who, again, I feel like is a trusted space where I can talk through things. It allows me to like verbally identify who am I, who has God designed me to be, how am I wired different than other people? And that's okay. Um, because I think for so long, I've just tried to fit in and blend in and I don't want to be different. Um, I don't want to stand out. I, I, I don't know. But I think slowing down long enough to work through God has designed me this way and it's, it doesn't fit in a box. I'm different than the people around me. Um, or Mm -hmm. I I, recognizing my gifts, like I have these gifts that I can offer to the world around me and I have been hiding them for so long. So I think allowing myself to engage in those gifts and to be brave enough to share them with other people has yeah. helped give me that confidence. Wow. Okay. So side note, when, this isn't in your, in your blog, yeah. but just listening to you talk about your counselor and how critical it's been for you to seek counseling and to do that on a very regular, but I also know that it's, it's, it's a, it's a regular basis, but you're not always going willingly, <laughs> but some days are just not. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're just not skipping into her office so thrilled to see her but so right just quickly Brooke tell me how important it has been for you to be completely honest with her I I hear people talking to counselors and going to counselors and I think that a lot of people are maybe sharing what they think their counselor wants to hear and I just, I don't know why this just, mm-hmm. I, I, honestly, this just came up today um, in normal, regular, everyday life. And just thinking about what, what yeah. is it worth going to counseling for if you're not going to be completely honest and go in the direction that yeah. the counselor wants you to go in, in your conversation when, yeah, it's going to be painful. And this is like ripping a scab off of a very old wound. But like, how, how has that played a part in right. your healing and just in your newfound confidence? Going consistently has helped me see the value in it. Um, and just being able to recognize feelings, emotions, problems, um, like weaknesses for myself, identifying mm-hmm. my gifts and mm-hmm. my strengths and things to celebrate that has helped me so much. And so each time I walk away, I feel like I walk away with a new tool to use. I walk away recognizing something different than I, that I had never taken the time to recognize before. You know, if I were to have stopped going after the first time that I didn't like it, (laughs) I would have never made the smallest, tiniest shifts over 
a year, over two years, three years Mm -hmm. that has gotten me to where I am today. Um, so I, I think also just trusting people that have been through that before who say, yeah, Mm -hmm. just try it one more time. Like come, come back again. And even listening to my counselor, just come back next time and, and let's, you know, tuck this away for right now. When you come back, let's, we're going to work through this some more. Um, and recognizing that it's a process. And I think also just being willing, like being so desperate, honestly, I feel like I, I got to a point where I was so mm-hmm. desperate in life that I knew I needed help. I couldn't do things on my own mm-hmm. that I had no choice, wow. but to be honest, you know, I could sit in community groups and I could say mm-hmm. what, what everybody wanted me to say. And I could sit with my friends and I could say what everybody, what I thought everybody wanted me to say, but getting to a point in life where I recognized, right. I can't function. <laughs> I am withering away. Mm-hmm. So let me go to counseling. I have to tell her what's happening mm-hmm. because I can't function in life. So that desperation, I think, yeah. helped bring a lot of that. Well, honesty. sorry, I sidetracked for a minute, but it is an absolute miracle that you were able to put this on paper and it be real mm-hmm. and it, it's true. And I know you and I've, I've walked with you through mm-hmm. this for years. And I just I want to give credit where credit is due. And obviously, um, your counselor, um, mm-hmm. you know, it was a blessing from the Lord. And that's all I can say. I, I don't know her and I love her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay, moving on. Yeah. Um, I, yes. so we just talked about your confidence and, um, how that keeps you open. And then your very next sentence is my value in Christ keeps me hoping and you say hope is never perfect. It's never certain. And some just bells went off in my mind um, when I read that only because I spent all uh-huh. of 2019 claiming um, Romans fifteen thirteen, which talks about God being the God of hope. And it says in that verse that mm-hmm. God is the God of hope and he will fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in him so that we will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I spent mm-hmm. a lot of time reading and rereading and analyzing that verse and like going over it in my heart and, and every, it just seems like for that whole year, that verse kept morphing into different viewpoints. And what I kind of landed on yeah, is that joy and peace are the requirements for hope. So God's the God of hope. Mm-hmm. He owns hope. He, he promises that yeah. he will fill us with joy and peace so that our hope will overflow. So he wants to give us this hope that he yeah. owns and he wants us to overflow with it. But we have to be the recipients of joy and peace. And so when you said hope is never perfect and it's never certain, I really started thinking, wow, that's really true. Because if you're not the recipient of joy and peace, Mm -hmm. which where Mm -hmm. else will chaos live in our lives unless we have no joy or peace, which are not man-made, which we cannot manufacture ourselves. It's impossible to do. It can only come from the Father. 
So if these are the requirements, right? then does this verse speak to you a little bit in regards to maybe how you view your future? Does it challenge you the way you think about hope? Yeah, no, I love that you brought that verse up because I think, you know, it causes me to slow down and think about my, my idea of hope and hope has always been a really hard thing for me to embrace for lots of years of my life. I feel like every time I would hope for something, um, Mm -hmm. it would be taken away. And so in my very human mind and my warped version of hope, I would think, well, hope is awful (laughs) because every time you hope for something, Mm -hmm. God just like up and takes it away and he gives you grief and he gives you loss and he gives you rejection and he gives you all of these horrible feelings that I don't want to deal with. Um, I recognize, and even in that verse, like hope is designed Mm -hmm. for imperfection. Um, when we get to heaven, we mm-hmm. won't have hope because we are living it fully. And so God has designed hope for us here in an imperfect world. It's messed mm-hmm. like hope. The process of hoping for things is mm-hmm. very messy. It's up and down. Um, it is full of loss and grief and rejection, but it is also full of joy and peace and all the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Like it is full of both things. And so I think for me, when I think about hope and I say hope is never perfect, I maybe am saying that from like a God designed hope. So in some way it is perfect, but Mm -hmm. I am imperfect And so when I deal with hope, it's in a Mm -hmm. very imperfect way because Mm -hmm. of me, because of my insecurities, because of my doubts. And the only way that I can keep coming back to hope is by some element of the Holy Spirit, like of Holy Spirit coming in and saying, okay, Brooke, but Mm -hmm. let me give you this joy and the sadness. And that's going to move you to this next little piece of hoping for the next thing. Yeah. That's so good, Brooke. Thanks for joining us on Learning to Live Again. Tune in next time to hear from one of my favorite storytellers, Priscilla Smith, as she talks fashion and understanding her emotions through fashion.